Hi, this is Roland Fisher, lead pastor of Second City Church, and we hope that you're well. Welcome to our online service. We hope you leave today encouraged, full of faith, and ready to take the kingdom of God wherever you may go, as we just wanted you to know that we're so glad that you've chosen to join us today. And once again, welcome. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Second City Church Online. My name is Cole Parlier. I'm associate pastor here at the church, along with lead pastor, Rollin Fisher, and we're very excited that you chose to join us today for the continuation of our Joy to the World Advent Sermon Series. Last week, Pastor Rollin talked about Joy to the World and Dreamers, focusing in on how Joseph, Mary, and others who decided to be a part of what God was doing when He called them in bringing Christ into the world so that many could be saved, they had to exchange their dreams for God's dream, and they were blessed for it, and so was the whole world. And today we're gonna to continue in the Christmas narrative, and we're gonna um, explore how God's joy is for humble servants. That's right. God has joy for those who choose to walk with Him as He brings His plans for salvation and redemption and healing into the world. Um, so guys, uh, we're going to talk about three things, uh, how he does that. Number one, he gives favor to his humble servants. Number two, he does miracles for his humble servants. And then number three, he gives everlasting joy for his humble servants. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the joy of Jesus that cannot be taken away from us because you have given it. And you said it would not be taken away. So God, we pray today that you would fill us with the joy of knowing Jesus Christ. God, I pray that healing would come to hearts today. I pray that hopelessness would be filled with hope, Lord, and that many would know you and your goodness today. So we welcome you here. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Okay, guys. So the topic here is joy to the world. But even though Jesus came to bring joy into the world, not everybody partakes in that joy because not everybody receives Jesus Christ. We even see it in the Gospels. There were people who rejected Jesus. There were people who used Jesus. There were people who ridiculed Jesus. And they surely didn't have the joy um, that he intended for them to have. So we're going to talk about how we can do that today. So you have to ask yourself this question. Do you have all the joy you want? <laughs> I know that I am always wanting more joy. And until the kingdom of God comes in its fullest, until Jesus returns and the kingdom of heaven is inaugurated in its final form and sin is done away with on the earth, that there will always be room for more joy. Now, uh, so many people want it, but so many people... Uh, very few people, I should say, uh, seem to have the genuine article of joy. There's lots of imposters out there. And I think the reason that we fall prey to these counterfeit joys or imposters that are out there is because we've forgotten what joy is or we've forgotten where joy comes from. And so we go to the wrong places to get it. And so I really love what John Piper a famous theologian in the Christian world. You may have heard of him. And a lot of his ministry has been built on joy, teaching about Christian hedonism and what it means to have joy in God. 
And so he actually came up with this definition that I'm about to read to you of what um, Christian joy is. So here it is. Christian joy is a good feeling in the soul produced by the Holy Spirit as he causes us to see the beauty of Christ in the word and in the world. So what I love about this is he distinguishes Christian joy from worldly joy because Christian joy allows us to see the beauty of Christ. So everything we're going to talk about today is going to be based on Christ being revealed to you and then being blessed as you work with him in revealing Christ to the world around you. And I also love if John Piper says that joy is a feeling and it's in your soul, right? So no matter what is going on in your body, your soul can still experience joy, which is very exciting. And it's also very exciting too. And it reminds me that joy then is a gift because we can't conjure up feelings. It's not a choice to feel a certain way. It's just what happens to you. And so we ask God to give us joy. He's the author of it and he wants us to have it. And I love how he says that we not only see it in the word as we study the gospels, we see the life of Christ and we fall more in love with him, but we also see it in the world around us. God's creation reveals Christ. It's always crying out if we humble ourselves and we ask God to show us. And we also see it as the spirit of Christ works in other people as well. So these are some of the ways that he brings joy into the world. But now, before we go any further, we're going to jump into the Word of God, uh, the Christmas story, Luke 1, 26 through 45, setting up the birth of Jesus and also the birth of John the Baptist, um, talking about his mother, Mary, and also the mother of John the Baptist, Elizabeth, and how God came to them as humble servants and how they were blessed and received joy. Okay, let's read it together. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. 
And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Amen. Well, guys, first thing we're going to focus on here is how God gives favor to his humble servants. So we see that the messenger of God, Gabriel the angel, he came to Mary. Young Mary had done nothing that we know of deserving of being chosen for this duty. But what we do know about Mary is that she had surrendered her life. She had surrendered her dreams. She had surrendered everything so that God could do his purpose in the earth by making her the mother of the Son of God, of Jesus Christ. So we know that she was a humble woman who surrendered her life to God. And we know that because of that, God displayed his favor to her. Now, God's favor was shown by his presence with her because he said, and the Lord is with you, right? And he also showed his favor by saying, do not be afraid, meaning that she had found favor in his eyes and uh, she did not have to worry about being rebuked. Um, So those are some of the ways that God uh, shows favor to his humble servants. Now, we see with um, Elizabeth as well, we know for sure that she was humble, but we also know that God showed his favor to her because she was faithful. Elizabeth and her husband Zechariah, they were the tribe of Levi, which is the tribe that worked in the temple of the Lord. And they were advanced in years. They were old in age, which means they had been at this faithfully for a really long time, their whole lives. And we know in other parts of the scripture that Zechariah had been praying, praying, praying that his wife would have a child. And so God came to her and he said, I'm going to show you my favor and I'm going to make you a part of my redemptive plans in the earth. So God shows favor to his humble servants by inviting them to be a part of his redemptive work as they accept his will for their lives and for the world around them. Now, he shows favor by allowing us to be in his presence without fear. Psalm 1611 says, You make known to me the path of life in your presence. You hear that? In your presence there is fullness of joy. Not a little joy, but fullness of joy. We could say perfect joy, complete joy, lacking nothing. And so God shows his favor by being with us so that we can have the fullness of joy. Now, Psalm 84, 10 through 11 says, For a day in your courts, talking about the Lord's courts, is better than a thousand elsewhere. The psalmist says, I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God 
than dwell in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. So we see that the Lord is the one who gives favor, and he also gives honor to those who delight in being in his service. He said, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in your house and have my own dreams. I, I just want to be with you. And so, guys, as we commit to humbly serving God, we can be assured that he will give us favor. It will result in his presence, and we will have fullness of joy. So this is one of the ways that he brings joy to us when he comes into the world. Now, guys, we're going to move on to humility being the path to favor, the path into God's joyful presence. Guys, I want to read to you um, Luke 14, 7 through 11, the parable of the wedding feast. It says, now he told a parable to those who were invited. This is Jesus talking now. When he noticed how they chose the places of honor, and he said to them, when you are invited by someone to a wedding feast, do not sit down in a place of honor, lest someone more distinguished than you be invited by him. And he who invited you both will come and say to you, give your place to this person. And when you will begin, and then you will begin with shame to take the lowest place. But when you are invited, go and sit in the lowest place, so that when your host comes, he may say to you, friend, move up higher. Then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at table with you. And here we go. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. And he who humbles himself will be exalted. So the way that we receive joy is by choosing to humble ourselves. Now I looked at this word humble throughout Scripture, Old Testament, New Testament, and we see humbling happening in two ways. Either God humbles people through their circumstances to test them, to reveal what's in their heart, or people choose to humble themselves. I don't know about you, but I would rather choose to humble myself. And especially when we choose to humble ourselves, that invites God's favor and that he exalts us. We have joy and we have honor in the presence of all the people that we're with and in God's eyes. So um, choosing to humble ourselves is the path for joy to come into our lives. Now, we must ask ourselves, where have I assumed a position or a role in life that God has not called me into? Where have I exalted myself? If you're not feeling the joy that Jesus has for you, we have to ask that. Where have we exalted ourselves rather than humbling ourselves to God's will? And he'll show it to us and he'll help us make it right. Now, here are a couple of ways of um, humbling ourselves that we can do in order to have the joy that God has for us as his humble servants. Really simple. We can simply obey Jesus. <laughs> we can crucify our flesh and do what he says to do. That is a great way. We can pray. That is a way of humbling ourselves uh, uh, because the flesh does not want to pray Trust me, if you have not tried to pray for an extended period of time, it is hard. Even the disciples in the garden, when Jesus was sweating blood, 
He said, could you not pray with me for one hour? And the scripture says that they were heavy with sleep. They just couldn't handle it. So that is a great way to humble yourself is to commit yourself to prayer. Another way is to commit yourself to giving as well. Emptying your pockets, emptying your bank accounts, um, emptying your, your calendar through serving, giving of your time. That is a great way to proactively humble yourself. Another thing that we can do, which we're going to be doing on January 11th through 15th, is we can choose to fast, to deprive ourselves of what we have access to in order to make room for God, consecrating ourselves and saying, we're here to serve you. We want to be with you. And he promises to give us joy. Another way that you can humble yourself is through studying. You can commit yourself to the Word of God and to memorizing it and to knowing it uh, inside and out. Now, this these are all what we would call spiritual disciplines. That's a fancy way of saying humbling ourselves. Um, now, like working out our muscles in a gym, when we exercise the spiritual disciplines, it's weak. We get weak. It's hard. Um, but just like with exercise, over time, we get stronger spiritually, just like with our muscles we do as we continue to do that. Now, there's a great book I want to recommend to you guys that I read when I was going through ministry school. It's called The Celebration of Discipline, right? Celebration of Discipline by Richard Foster. That um, is a great book with uh, insights about the joy of living a humbled uh, life. Um, now, there's a great uh, quote by Richard Foster who wrote that book. He says, Nothing disciplines the inordinate desires of the flesh like service, and nothing transforms the desires of the flesh like serving in hiddenness. The flesh whines against service, but screams against hidden service. It strains and pulls for honor and recognition. It will devise subtle, religiously acceptable means to call attention to the service rendered. If we stoutly refuse to give in to this lust of the flesh, we crucify it. Every time we crucify the flesh, we crucify our pride and arrogance. Richard J. Foster, he knows what he's talking about. He wrote the book. So if you want to get the book, um, please do go through that. I'm sure it'll be helpful and it'll bring much joy into your life as you choose to humble yourself. Now guys, I'm really excited about the next point, which is miracles for humble servants. So when we, like Mary and Elizabeth, humbly accept God's invitation to know Christ and to make Him known, He will do miracles among us. Now humility is the essential ingredient to be used by God for the impossible to be done. So as we humble ourselves to work with God, he will do the impossible among us. Now, we do not know if it was Mary's dream to be the mother of the one and only Son of God. I assume probably not, since she was a humble woman. But we can assume with our sanctified imagination and historical realities from that time for young ladies um, would lead us to believe that she did dream about being a wife and a mother. Now, I love how God works. Elizabeth and Zechariah served God faithfully as Levites performing temple service in their old age, never having their desire for a child fulfilled, because the scripture says that she was barren. But then, when they surrendered to God, when He came knocking on their door, 
he not only gave them the honor of being the mother of the Son of God, and also the mother of John the Baptist, who would prepare the way for the Son of God, but these were personal desires that they had, and God incorporated the fulfillment of their personal desires into the redeeming plan He has for creation. Isn't that amazing? I love how Scripture says in Psalm 37, 3-5, it says, Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord, which is what they did. They said, I choose you. I choose your plan that you've revealed. Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in Him, and He will act. So He will incorporate the desires of our heart into His redeeming plan for all of creation. And Scripture says, Nothing will be impossible with God. Just like it was not too big a thing for a barren elderly woman named Elizabeth to give birth to a baby that was filled with the Holy Spirit in the womb. And yes, that's a good point to to look at there. In the womb, John was considered a baby and he had joy and feelings and he was filled with the Holy Spirit in the womb. And God uh, uh, used her to show His glory by doing the impossible and bringing His redeeming plan. And same thing with Mary, a virgin being overshadowed. Nothing will be impossible with God. So the question for you and I, what is God saying to you right now that this is not impossible to me? What are the desires of your heart that He wants to incorporate into His redeeming plan, if you'll just surrender them to Him. It is not impossible with God, and He will do it, and He'll do it bigger and grander than you could even imagine, because He's doing more than you think He's doing. He's not just granting the desires of your heart. As you partner with Him and surrender to Him, commit your way to Him, He's actually going to be bringing Christ through it. Now, um, Mary became God's servant according to His Word. She exchanged her dreams for God's dreams. And this is the essence of being God's humble servant. It is saying, God, your way, not my way. As John the Baptist said, he said, I must decrease so that He may increase. And that's the cry that we have to have. Now, guys, last thing. God wants to give everlasting joy to His humble servants. He doesn't want you to just have pleasure. He doesn't want you to just have happiness. He wants you to have joy eternal. Everlasting joy comes when we are united to Christ. Not united to our dreams. Not united to um, whatever goals that we have or what the world says will make us happy. But we are united to Christ And that's where everlasting joy comes in. We were made to be one with God, but our sin has separated us from His presence and eternal joy. Jesus came to earth to live the righteous and sinless life we should have lived. Jesus died a sinner's death for you and me on the cross, a perfect sacrifice paying for our sins. And three days later, God raised Jesus from the dead as proof 
the payment was accepted. Today, you are invited by faith to accept the gift of Jesus' life, death, burial, and resurrection as payment for your sin and to receive everlasting joy in the presence of God forevermore, knowing that you're not condemned to eternity separated from Him, but you've been welcomed into the kingdom of Christ, which is everlasting. Just like the scripture said, His kingdom will be everlasting. Now, for those of you that say, hey, I'm already united to Christ, I'm already serving Him, but I'm not, I'm not feeling that joy yet. Well, you know what? He wants you to have it, and He wants you to have it now. But there are seasons, just like Jesus, when He was carrying the cross. It says that He endured the cross for the joy set before Him, right? So there are seasons of endurance that we have to look at the reward and He will help us to get through that so that we can count it, as James says, pure joy when we face trials of many kinds. He will give us the gift of joy, even in the trial, and to help us endure until we get to that everlasting joy. And so for you, friends, that are walking with Jesus already, I want to encourage you with the words of Jude 24, 25. He says, Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy, to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. He is able to present you in His glory with great joy. Do not give up. There is joy for the world and there is joy for you as you humbly commit to serving Him. In Jesus' name, amen. We wanted to encourage you to get involved in our community groups, both in-person and virtual options are available for you. And if you've not found one yet, you can go on our website to see the different options available to you. But please do, throughout this week, remember that we will be praying for you. And we also encourage you to invite a friend next week who also needs to hear this good news of Jesus Christ. So until then, God bless you. Have a wonderful week in the Lord. We love you. And God absolutely loves you more. See you then.